Hey there, my girlfriends. Welcome back to Above Par. It's Master's Week. This is my favorite week of the year. Definitely Sunday is my favorite day of the year. I love going to the Masters. I love watching the Masters. And I thought I would have a special episode bringing my brother back on, Dudley Hart, who's played in a few Masters, to share what it's like, his experience, his first Masters, some different inside perspective of some of the holes, the par three course. And I thought I'd share that all with you here. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my brother, Dudley Hart. All right. Hey, Dudley, how are you? I'm great, Kath. How about you? Good. Thank you for coming back on. So I wanted to have you on just to talk because it's Masters Week and I know you've played in the Masters and I thought maybe you could share some of your perspective that when people are watching TV, they might not get that perspective or just hear it from a different angle on what it's like to go through and playing in the Masters. And I can't remember. How many have you played in? Five. You played in five? Yeah. That's so sad. I was going to say three. I had like three fingers up. <laughs> That's okay. like five. Oh, like, I'm more impressed with you now that you played in five. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. So I've been to a few of the, of the masters. Of course, I don't even know that I've been to five. I think once you got married, that kind of like ruined it for me a little bit, but I was definitely at some when you were single, but I think it would be interesting to hear about what it's like just your first masters, let's say, and then maybe how it evolved. What is it like to show up that week and go through that week from your perspective? Well, my first one was uh, actually was just telling some of the guys on our, on the Florida golf team this couple nights ago, because they were asking me about the masters and what it was like. Do you get nervous? And I said, you know, normally when I played in tournaments, there's always a level of nerves. I don't care what tournament it is. If you care about something, you tend to get a little bit nervous to start out, usually calm down pretty quick. And, and, uh, but my first masters, you know, it was honestly the tournament. I think every, every boy golfer and now girl golfer can, uh, dream about playing, going to Augusta. And we, you know, as kids, you're on, I got an eight footer. This is to win the masters. This is, you know, or the U S open sometimes, but it was always ended for me. It usually ended up being the masters in my brain. And the first year I was fortunate enough to play, you know, I really was really, really calm, like practice round. Like the first day I walked out and it was just kind of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm walked out the back of the clubhouse. You pull, pull in off of a very busy, typical street with, with like Applebee's and Chili's and all this crap. And then all of a sudden there's the entrance to the map, you know, Augusta. And it's a little sign, there's a guard house and it's like, just pops up. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of weird. And then I, I'm driving in with dad, which was probably one of the coolest things because he was without him, I would have never got to that point. Mm-hmm. So just he and I driving down Magnolia Lane was super cool for me. And probably the best part of that first one that I played in being able to share that with him. But it was also like I had this vision that Magnolia Lane was like five miles long and it was like, oh, this beautiful thing. And it was just <laughs> like it was like, yeah eighth of a mile long that's it i'm like i'm like what the heck but get in there and park and you, you know you kind of walk on eggshells it's a it's a little you know it's a it's an amazing place but it's you know you get and maybe that's me being a club pros kid yeah. that i was always so paranoid of doing the wrong thing at other clubs that uh so i walked on eggshells a little bit that week but anyway i wasn't crazy nervous you know i get i i was just uh in the practice rounds, I was just kind of doing my thing. This is what I normally do in practice rounds. And I practice and I, you know, I'm working hard, I'm wedges and I'm doing all this stuff. And Thursday rolls around and wake up a little nervous, but slept fine. No big deal. You know, no, not really thinking like it's any different. I'm trying to treat it like any other tournament, warm up, go through my warm up routine, go through my wedge routine, before, you know, after that go putt. And I had like some chemical reaction happen from the putting green 
to the first team <laughs> that I had never experienced in my whole life. Uh-huh. It was at the time it was like a maybe a 50, 60 yard walk. Now the tee's probably on the on the putting green practically. And uh and I got to the first tee and my caddy Woody looked at me and goes, You need teaser on ball marker? And I was like, I can't talk. <laughs> my, <laughs> my mouth like completely dried up. I mean, it was like I had a whole box of Ritz crackers between the putting green and the first <laughs> first tee. And I That's was like water like you walk the sahara desert or something going there i i'd never experienced i've been nervous funny nerve my first tour event yeah my rookie year i was crapping my pants and I, you know but that was nerve but it was i did not have this experience so i'm start drinking water i'm trying to take a bunch of deep breaths i don't even like i don't even remember I, my mom i just went into like this fog and I remember standing there, I got my driver in my hand waiting to get called and I'm going, okay, let's just not kill somebody on the right. Like just hit off the end of the club. Like I had the most negative thoughts a golfer could possibly have. Like I, it was like, I'd been playing golf for a year. Like I could kill somebody 20 yards off the tee. Cause they're lining down that edge. Yeah. And then fortunately about when I put the tee in the ground and I walked back to get into my routine, I just said, all right, I picked a spot over the bunker at the time we, that day we could get over the bunker. It was helping. And I'm like, I am just going to lash at this driver. And I picked a tree over this bunker. And I'm just going to hit it as hard and solid as I can. And then hopefully it goes straight. That's all I was saying. I'm like, I'm not going to try to guide it because I know that usually doesn't work. I said, I'm just going to freaking lash at it and hit it solid. I was just swing hard and hit it solid. That was my only thoughts. And yeah, but that's so helpful. Like, too, like you just mentioned, because you had talked about in the last podcast about how important your pre-shot routine was. That probably helped you. Like, once you get to go into that pre-shot routine, you kind of click into a little focus. Yeah, 100%. But I had nothing but negative thought. I mean, like, hyper-negative thoughts. Like, put <laughs> it off the toe. Because I can't feel my hands. I can't. I'm shaking. You know, I'm putting the ball I'm the ball up and the, and the, the ball and the tee are shaking. And I'm going, okay, I've never, what's going on right now? It was like. It's like maybe I ate like 20 pounds of sugar on the way from the putting green to the first tee. And, and I hit it, hit it down there. And normally in turn, most normal tournaments, you're nervous a little bit because you're more anxious. You want to get going and, you know, you just, and you settle down after the first shot or the first hole or so. I'm not sure I calmed down all. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't that nervous all day, but I was never comfortable all yeah. day long. Augusta, Augusta just doesn't like most tournaments you can have there's a few breather holes for you that's set up that they're like, okay, this doesn't really stress me out. Like, not that you shut your brain off. You don't try, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, very comfortable with this. I'm going to just, you know, hit a three wood down the fairway pretty wide. I'm going to have anywhere from a nine iron to a wedge to soft green. And okay, this is like, I'll have a good chance here with, you know, no major that place. It doesn't matter if you have a 90, 80, 90 yard sand wedge. If you hit it six, eight feet in the wrong spot, something yeah. bad happened quickly. Right. So you never have any kind of, time to take a big you know, deep breath there. So, yeah, I heard Scotty Sheffield have an interview the uh, other day. Some reporter asked him like, is it physically ex- exhausting to walk the golf course? And I think basically, I don't know if he was leading towards whether Tiger was going to make it or not. Right. But he just kept saying, you know what? It's not, but it's mentally exhausting because yeah, you just can never let up. Yeah. It would after like that first time I didn't really realize it because I hadn't played in a ton of majors yet. And it's pretty much the same for every major because it's just a different, different animal. Um, it's like you're playing mentally playing, not physically playing two or three tournaments when you play one of them. Yeah. And it's hard for people who haven't been through it to really understand it. 
And it was really hard for dad when I was younger. Like sometimes he would go, well, why aren't, why are you taking the week off after? Because I'm like, cause I finally learned that I could go play and I'm physically fine, but my brain is far from like, it just needs time to just kind of chill and kind of, mm-hmm. cause the concentrate, if the concentration level isn't there, doesn't matter how good you are physically, you're just not, never going to play very well. And, uh, I, right. I and learned you- after. Right. And then you I'm, tap into your confidence when that happens, right? It's like going, you know, when it's a yeah. mental thing. Yeah, it's not worth doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is there any particular hole out there that like let's say that for you maybe was like your nemesis hole? There were a few of them because I, I was typically I typically had a hard time comfortable. I could always draw it with a driver, but it was never one of my comfortable things because the draw could turn into a 20 yard hook. Mm-hmm. And I just not really good to play pro golf when you hit 20 yard hooks out of nowhere. <laughs> so yep. I trained myself for a long time to try not to hit those. And, uh, it was just, I was, uh, I was just more comfortable fading it. So uh, there are, there are a bunch of tee shots that are obvious draw shots that people will know from TV, like number 10 and number 10 with the right wind, I would hit a three wood. Cause I could with more loft, I could cork a three wood and get it and still get it running down the hill. As long as it wasn't in the wind, 13 was super stressful for me because you know, the, my, I think that first year I played, I tried to force a hook and I sniped it into those trees over to the left and got, I think I got lucky and kicked out in the fairway short, mm-hmm. way short. And I just laid up and I said, okay, we're not doing that anymore. So I would try, if it happened, close my stance a little, put the ball, maybe a ball width back. And if it happens to create a little three or four yard draw because my setup changed great, if not, I'm corking it in the trees and I'm going to go from there straight yeah, to yeah. the fairway. Yeah, at left. least you might get a break over there. Yeah. And maybe once in a while I could hit it on the green. If not, I lay it up and I, I played it, which is usually my strength anyway, hitting those 50 to hundred yard shots. And, but one of the ones that was weird that a lot of people probably would never think was number two, um, mm. Mm. very, very comfortable tee shot when I could reach the right bunker because you, you cannot miss the ball left. I mean, you can get really, and if it gets running down the pine straw, you could actually hit it in a Creek that's way over there. And I learned that in the practice round, I corked one trying to force a draw off the bunker to get it running down that hill. And I sniped it over there and I was playing with Jeff Sluman and dad was walking and right next to Jeff when I did it, he goes, he asked Jeff, he goes, what's over in those left trees? And Slu looked at him and he goes, it's the Delta Airlines ticket office over there. If you hit it over there, you can book the flight. You're going home. Oh. <laughs> <was a> first- <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> yeah, so I did like being a cutter. You'd like, okay, just aim it down the left. But then if I hit it straight, it bounced the left half of the fairway angles left or right. To, I'm sorry, right to left pretty hard. Yeah. So you got to hit it really pretty close to that bunker unless, you know, you happen to, I was never a guy who could ever carry that bunker. I don't know if many guys can carry that bunker anyway, but uh, so it was just an uncomfortable, it's a par five, but if I would just either hit it just inside the edge of the bunker and try to hit straight or I, it would hit peel a little bit and go in the bunker and I'd lay it up. You know, that was kind of one of the things. That, and that was actually one of the more, even more than 13 or 10, because you really, really just had to kind of man up and, and try to hit a straight one or a little draw there. And it was yeah, a hard tee shot for a, a fader. Right, right. And even visually, it's kind of hard to yeah. like pick your spot. I personally don't love aiming at areas where if I hit it straight, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so those, so those would be like your big nemesis holes. Is there like a couple holes that you totally love, like love the whole setup? I mean, I know the course is like, everybody knows all the holes, but just curious from your perspective. Yeah. I always, I always love seven. That's uh, pretty straight, but it's tight, but you could hit a good tee shot and have a, 
a wedge of the green is psychotic, like a lot of them out there. I mean, so it's not an easy shorter hole. It's longer now, but um, it's still not that long for those guys. I would say that one, obviously 12, just because it's so famous, but major puck, pucker up on number 12. <laughs> I mean, it's... Oh my God. It's just, it's just crazy. Cause I was telling the, telling the guys, same thing as we were talking about the masters, like you stand on the 12th tee and you look at the 11th green to kind of get a gauge of the wind and the pin could be blowing down right to left. And then you look at the pin on number 12 and it's blowing in left to right. And they are 40 yards apart. The two, two greens, 50 yeah. yard. What, it's not that far apart. And you're like, how in the hell is right. one flag because it's just in this corner of trees and it's, the wind swirls. Yeah, not I think that was not normally a big problem, but when the twelfth green is like, you know, twelve steps deep. Yeah, and if you zing one in the back bunker is not great, and obviously the creek's not great. Uh, it can be stressful going. Okay, I hope I'm guessing right on the wind, <laughs> and yeah. then I hit a shot on, and do all that. So I think I remember last year. I think there were like so many people hitting into that shot, and they were like totally misjudging the distance, and it was because that wind was swirling. If you're planning. If you're playing for a little in left or right, and I, all of a sudden it's helping a little left or right, and you carry it five or six yards too far to a green that's that narrow, you look really stupid. And you yeah. hit it in a spot that's not great. That's right. why a lot of guys will say any pin that's at that bunker, middle bunker on the front middle bunker on the green, they just hit it or there or at to the right, like the Sunday pin. You just try to hit it at that bunker because – at least you should not make a big mistake to not carry into that bunker. If you get fooled, you know, you hit it on that, that line, granted it's 20, 25 feet left of the pin, but if you're not sure what the wind's doing, that's kind of the no brainer. The problem is that we have just like amateurs have, sometimes you get there and you're like, well, I'm aiming at that bunker, but like, maybe I can just peel it over there a little closer towards the pin. And then you, you kind of push it there and you get fooled and it lands two yards short of the green at the pin and it comes back in the water. I've right, because what are you hitting into there? What were you hitting into there? Typically eight, nine iron. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Nine iron. Yeah. Not I very I don't think I ever hit a wedge to that right pin. I could I did pitching wedge that front left pin occasionally, but I don't think I ever hit pitching wedge to that right pin. Yeah. Okay. So now how about the galleries? Like I know you were used to galleries, but they're a little different yeah. out there. But what was the uh, crowds like different from out there than maybe a different tournament? Um, I would say for the most part. It's a very golf knowledgeable crowd. Mm -hmm. Some of our regular tournaments we go to is golf is a little secondary to the party that's going on, which I get, I have no problem with. I don't care what fans do or they're there to have fun and enjoy it. As long as it's respectful, sometimes it's not always respectful, but there's no messing around at Augusta because they will chuck you from, they will literally throw you out of the, out of the off property, take the badge. And if you got your badge from a friend, that badge may probably never get that person will probably never get a ticket again. If you act poor, they, they know where each, who those badges belong to their barcodes and uh, you cannot run at Augusta. I heard so many times there are no run. There's no, there's no running at Augusta. People are like, oh, they stop and they start walking. Risking. Yeah, you're or right. But speaking of running and then we'll segue into the par three. So one year I caddied for you in the par three. All right. So, which was so exciting. Of course, I had had a couple of beers on the golf course because that's what we do when we watch you, right? We have, we have, we have, we have birdie beers. Deli made a birdie, go get a beer. Right. And they're so cheap at, at the masters. So it was like so much fun, but anyway, it's not so much fun when you don't make a lot of birdies. Then we have to like 
you know, okay, like, okay, it looked like it could have gone in, go get a beer, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, so I go, I go and get the, I was so excited. So I go and get the bib on, I have to go to the, like the little caddy place, not the bib, like the whole overalls thing. And I have to catch up with you. I think I had your bag, right? I must've had your bag. Yeah, yeah, I must have. You want to carry your bag over there. So I had your bag. Now I'm walking to go to the par three. It's that is wide. They have those those spectators really far apart. Like that's yeah. like like 60 yards wide, maybe like or or more. So I'm the only person in this alley walking to try and catch up with you on number one of the par three. And I ha- you're waiting on me, right? Because it took me a couple minutes to get my my overalls on. And I'm jogging and I just hear there's no running at the masters. And I thought it was a spectator, right? And I'm like, oh ha ha ha. Right. And so and it's dead quiet, it's dead ass quiet. Like I'm the only person. The minute that one person that official yelled, it turned out to be an official, yelled, everybody got quiet. So I was the center stage of this just lined with people, big ass fairway running to catch up with you. And I thought it was a joke. And so then I started jogging again and I hear it again and I'm looking around. I don't know who's saying it. And a couple of officials just walked out of the crowd and just looked at me and did exactly what you said. There's no running at the masters. I was like, Oh shit. I'm like, I'm in trouble, right? This is not good. So now I speed walked, (laughs) I pushed it to the limit of actually getting air underneath my feet to catch up with you on the par three. But yeah, I got reprimanded in front of thousands of people trying to catch up with you on the par three. They take it very seriously out there. They do. They do. They like, they have the rules and they, and they definitely adhere to those rules. (laughs) So let's talk about the par three. So it was super fun caddying for you out there, but tell me what your mindset, you know, there is like this little thing. If you win the par three, you're never going to win the masters kind of thing. Do you guys think about that? I didn't, I didn't. I mean, I didn't necessarily, I didn't go into any par three trying grinding, trying to win. I was just having fun with it. Yeah. And, uh, having fun with it and trying not to kill somebody at the same time, because as you were, if you remember correctly, the greens are relatively small, some of them. Yeah. And there are people, people, excuse me, like two feet off the green. Yeah. Like if you, you are corking somebody, cause it's like five or granted, it's only wedges and stuff, but it, most of it may be a nine iron at the most sometimes. And, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt that bad, but I'm pretty sure you don't want to be getting hit from a wedge from 130 yards, even though it's coming down soft, still probably going to hurt. Right. Um, so but the skipping kind of- it over the water thing is even riskier because if you get a little too much air underneath it, you could really beam somebody. Oh yeah. You're corking somebody in the shin hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So do you like the par three or does it feel like it's an obligation that you have to go out there and play it or both? Um, no, I love it. It's a blast. I don't feel like it's an obligation. I mean, it is kind of an obligation. It's kind of crappy if you don't play in it. I think it's a blast. I mean, it's 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 pretty low key. I at least I treated it pretty low key. Um, having family friends caddy for me, having my kids caddy for me the last year I played was not to sound corny, but was probably the highlight of my golf, one of the highlights of my golfing career. Cause to be able to they don't really remember it, unfortunately. They were like little but having that pick that picture is my screensaver on my phone yeah i'm gonna share that picture with everybody i think i have the same picture but uh just so everybody knows dudley had triplets and uh two boys and a girl and they (laughs) pardon me i still have them oh yeah (laughs) dudley well at the time dudley had triplets okay so he still has the triplets now they're in college 
But so they give them like these little, little itty bitty baby, you know, like overalls. And it's so cute to watch them just walk along. They're like little ducklings walking behind him. And I, the picture that I have here with, I think Barney Baird and his kid at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, that was, that was super cute for them to go out and caddy, but did they do anything or they just. No, I think I gave them each like two or three clubs because pretty much can narrow it down to five clubs playing over there. So they were, they, uh, probably one of the more fun things about all my years at Augusta too. And I think it's softened up a little bit with this, but they were like literally running all over the place. Yeah. They were running through bunkers. They were running, running and everybody, you know, it was everywhere we went when, especially when they were little, because they're the same size basically. And everyone looks, it's kind of like we were like a circus show. They, it took people like a minute or so and going, Oh, are those triplets? And it's like, yes. And so everybody kind of knew they were triplets and it was cute. And they were Briny, you know, Briny Baird and I played and his two kids and my kids and his kids were, were really good friends. And so we had five kids running through bunkers and doing all this stuff and, and all the green coats, the members have green jackets and they're sitting around greens and tees just to kind of act official or whatever. And I could just see their skin crawling because <laughs> they were running everywhere. And I was just I kind of part of me because I'm not a stuffy person. I kind of loved it because I just get that they couldn't yell at them because there were, you know, 10,000 people around this little part of three course. And they were all just laughing at this three little cute kid or five kid, cute little kids in overalls, you know, masters caddy overalls running all over the place. Right. And kind of got a lot of enjoyment out of that. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're over there <laughs> having a heart attack, right. And yeah. like messing up the bunkers. Yeah. And nowadays the families, the kids, I think they've obviously softened a lot with uh, what happens on that part of the golf course. Yeah, for sure. Now forever, the par three, I'm just going to remember Tony Finau cracking his ankle in half. Yeah, that was actually disturbing. I'm not really good. I I like every time I see him running down, I'm like, oh my God, I can see the whole ankle going sideways. But anyway, okay. So let's talk about this year's masters. Of course, all the talk is about Tiger coming back. And playing, but who are your favorites going into this week? And what are your thoughts about Tiger? I told, I've told everybody that I've talked to about this. I would bet on him finishing the top 15. Okay. I don't know about winning, um, but I think he's going to play pretty damn good. And for a few reasons. One, obviously, nobody knows the place better than him. He's got a ton of positive memories to draw from. Knows how to play the place, obviously. Um, but uh, if his wedges and his putting are fine, like just normal Tiger, not even elite normal Tiger, just average, he'll finish in the top 10 or 15. Plus, he already won with a broken leg. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> so. ankle and foot should be nothing. Yeah, exactly. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm pumped that he's – I'm actually more excited to watch it now. I usually don't watch much till maybe a little bit Saturday and then definitely watch a bunch Sunday um, unless one of my buddies is doing real well, but I'm looking forward to watching this year. And I, and I, I expect him to play pretty good because he just wouldn't be there if he didn't think he can compete. If he didn't think his game and his body were in the right spot, he wouldn't go just to play. He doesn't care about that. Never has. Um, like me, on the other hand, I'd be there. And just, if I, if I knew I wasn't going to break 80 because my back was crap, I'm going to play and try to finish and just to play. Cause I've only done it five times. He does it every year, you know, so I yeah. would do it, but yeah, he, on the other hand is not playing if he doesn't think he has a chance to win. So who do you think is going to be in the top five? Okay. I mean, I know you can't predict it, but who like would be your favorite? I don't know. If I I'm a big, big Jordan speed fan open. You know, obviously he's had success there too. And I'm hoping he gets playing pretty solid and gets 
uh, just because he's such a classy kid that does everything the right way and, and a big fan of his. So, you know, my heart is rooting for him along with some other guys, but I think, I think I'd kind of go with him and, and I think Justin Thomas is going to play real well too. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards Justin Thomas. And then uh, I just think he's going, pardon me. Sorry. Even though he's a uh, Alabama guy, but. uh, Yeah. So I'm rooting for Justin Thomas. Even also because he is an Alabama guy, (laughs) but yeah, he's just playing really well. I like where his head's at right now. It seems like he's in a really good spot. And what are your thoughts about uh, Scotty Scheffler? Well, he's obviously on a heater. He's, he's been playing well a lot lately. Hard to say anything negative about his golf game right now. I just think until you've actually been under the gun and done it at Augusta, it's pretty hard to do it. Um, you know what I mean? To, to yeah. close it out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against the kid, but, uh, but uh, he just not one of my, I think, I think he's got to get in there and, and, and get his feet wet a, a, a time or two before you're super comfortable winning. Just okay, my so feeling. that's a no on Scotty Scheffler from Dudley, just for the record, <laughs> you're trying top to be. 10. Yeah. Top 10, maybe not a win. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your experience at the masters. It was, um, it was always fun going out there and watching actually, actually that's a lie. Watching you sucks because you're just, I mean, it's fun to be out at the masters, but you're just, you know, as you know, now as a spectator, right, it's hard to watch people that you care about because you're rooting for them and you don't like to see them struggling out there. So watching can suck, (laughs) but unless you're making lots of birdies, then it's way more fun. But, uh, but no, it was always fun going out to the masters. I appreciate you sharing your story with people who listen to my podcast. So thank you for coming on again. That's three times I've had you in like the last four weeks. So we'll take like a break for like a year. Okay. Yeah. Next time, maybe I, you can put me on the payroll now if it starts. Okay. No, on. negative on that, Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Doug. All right. All right, Kathy. Bet. Take care. Bye. All right. There you have it. So I hope you enjoy Masters Week as much as I do. For sun- On Sunday, you will know that I will be glued to that television. If I can help you in any way or you want to find out more about what I do, go to kathyhartwood.com. Have a great weekend.